0: St. Louis
1: Blues are the Stanley
0: Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The
1: Cardinals are world champs in 2011. It's
2: the Lou Sports Talk Podcast. Good morning. Afternoon, evening, whenever the heck you're listening to the Loose Sports Talk podcast, I am Ethan Hannaford, your host. I am joined by Brandon, Big Poppy Gallegos. Yeah, yeah. Ah, it's good seeing you, Brandon. It is good. Just it us, good. just us tonight. It's just the
1: one-two punch. Just our shoulders good. are heavy.
2: I like that. Yeah, they. They're... They're a little heavy, but now. Hey, we miss the boys. Hey, we have a great podcast planned out for all of you lovely listeners out there. We're going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by John Denton, the St. Louis Cardinals beat writer for MLB.com. Really looking forward to hearing from John. We're going to be talking a little bit. Uh, We're definitely going to ask him about the Yachty or Molina rumors. Yachty, just yesterday, as to when we were recording, said that it was 90% for sure happening. So we're definitely excited. That's crazy stuff. So we're definitely going to talk to John Denton about that get his thoughts on that what does molina bring to this team if he comes back as a coach we're going to talk about the pitching market what the cardinals need to add to get back to being a competing team brandon i know you've shared your doubts in the past about that happening (sighs) we'll see if john denton can convince you otherwise huh yeah yeah we'll see okay all right and then after after talking with mr denton we're going to go ahead and get into some blues hockey we're four games into the season as we record but I think that you could still, I think, have some takeaways from these first couple games. We're not going to be jumping into too much as far as overreacting to any...
1: Yeah, everybody take a chill pill.
2: Yeah, we're not going to be overreacting to any positives or negatives. I don't think. Maybe we will. Maybe one of us is going to freak out about something that's been really bad so far, and then the other one's going to
1: have to really calm the other one down. Stay tuned. Last time, me and you fought pretty hard when it was just me and you. Uh,
2: Probably. It's it's a semi-normal We'll see how it goes.
1: Hey, Ethan, can we talk to John? All
2: right, I guess so. Jeesh. the sassy pants over here. (laughs) All right, we'll have John Denton on when we come back. In just a moment, you're listening to the Loose Sports Talk Podcast. All right, guys, we now have the absolute pleasure to be joined by St. Louis Cardinals beat writer for MLB.com, John Denton. Mr. Denton, how are we doing tonight?
0: I'm doing wonderful, guys. Thanks for
2: having me. Hey, we appreciate you coming on and taking time out of your evening. And you know, obviously, this was a season to forget for the Cardinals. If you would have told most people that this team was going to finish seventy-one and ninety-one at the beginning of the season, you probably would have gotten, I don't know, some odd looks, maybe some even some laughs back. Um, Let me ask you this: How much of this season surprised you, or was any of this expected, or on your end at the beginning of the season?
0: Yeah, you know, Ethan, it, it was a surprise. I mean, the Cardinals had a streak of 15 winning seasons in a row. You know, they were the heavy favorites to win the division. They won the division last year. Uh, it seemed like, you know, there was really nobody else in the Central that was that was even expected to, you know, make a run at them. Now, we did know going into the season that the Cardinals were a little light on starting pitching. Little did we know that they were, you know, that that would, that would be exposed. Uh, Adam Wainwright was injured. Miles Michaelis struggled for a stretch. Uh, Stephen Metz got off to a terrible start. You know, just one thing after another, and you know the starting pitching kind of bled into the bullpen, and it seemed like it was something every night, something different. know, one night when they would hit, they wouldn't pitch. When they would pitch, they wouldn't hit. When they would hit and pitch, the bullpen would blow it. So <laughs> it was kind of a moving target most of the season. Very frustrating season, no doubt for Cardinal fans. And you know, it's it's on the organization now to try and fix this and get it right so it doesn't happen again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, John, thanks for being on. This is Brandon uh, Just It's clear that the coaching staff in front office has a lot of work to do this offseason. Now we're going to get right to the rumor mill here. There's talks that Yadier Molina could be coming back in some type of coaching role. He said yesterday there's a 90% chance that it will happen. Can you talk about the value that would bring to the Cardinals uh, bench uh, if he were able to jump on the staff?
0: Yeah, first and foremost, Brandon, uh, you know, Yadier Molina is a winner. Uh, he, he's been all about winning his whole whole career and a guy who won, you know, two World Series titles, a 10-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glover. Yeah. Anytime you can add a, a person and a player of that talent, you know, it's going to make you better. And, you know, I, I think now it's just about figuring out what does Yachty want? What what kind of commitment is he willing to give? You know, is, is this going to be a 162-game thing? Is this going to be a every other week in St. Louis type thing? Is it going to be a show-up in spring training thing? Uh, you know they just they just have to determine what you know what Yachty's willing to give what he's what he's willing to sign up for, uh, you know we all know 2022 was a rough season for him his knee was bothering him, he was beat up physically he was beat up mentally, but I think you know after a year away from the game Yachty realizes how much he misses it how much he loves the game he wants to be a manager, and this is the way to become a, a major league manager and you know it, this would be a tremendous home run for the Cardinals if if you can get Yachty or Molina on board. It's going to make uh, Wilson Contreras better. It's going to make Paul Goldschmidt better. It's going to make yeah. the pitching staff better. It's a no-brainer. They just have to figure out how much you know Yadi's willing to uh, commit for his time. You know,
2: there's a couple of things I think that interest me in the Yadier Molina talks. And the first thing is that the Cardinals are one of the few teams in baseball that doesn't have a catcher's coach. And I think uh, another thing that's interesting to me is that the Cardinals were one of the few teams in baseball that did not do not have any coaches that were former players. And you talk about adding a player that would be able to do both of those so well, especially with especially earlier in the year, how much controversy there was with Wilson Contreras and a lot of drama. Talk about how important it'd be for him specifically. Um, if they were to bring Yachty in and how much that could build his confidence up, continue to build that confidence, calm his mind as well.
0: Yeah. You know, when Yachty speaks, I mean, people are going to listen. People are going to, you know, people are going to attach greater weight to it when, you know, I mean, the guy's going to be the future hall of famer, like I said, two-time champion. Uh, Johnny Bench said he was one of the greatest catchers, defensive catchers in the history of the game. So when Yachty speaks and says something, you know, guys are going to listen and, you know, uh, not many people know it, but when Wilson Contreras was struggling, Yachty was one of the first people to call Wilson and, you know, touch in with him and, you know, tell him just, you know, stick with what you've done your whole career. And Yachty was in his ear and, and, you know, helping him along the way. And, you know, Yachty probably get some of the credit for helping, you know, Wilson kind of dig out of it and have the great second half he did. So you know, anytime you can add a a baseball mind, the caliber of Yadier Molina. Like if you could get a, a Albert Pujols, a Yadier Molina, like we saw it, you know, the last couple of years. Like Adam Wainwright is a baseball savant. Like Yadier Molina is a baseball genius. Albert Pujols knows more about hitting than, than most people have ever forgotten. So, hmm. anytime you can add somebody of that quality, it's going to make you better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we talked earlier in the interview about how. Uh, the, the Cardinals have a lot of work to do this offseason, particularly in the rotation. Um, you know, the the confidence level varies depending on who you ask around St. Louis, but how confident are you that the front office will put the money down that is expected from the fan base in, in, in a way where they can compete and outbid some of these bigger market teams like Los Angeles, New York, Boston, all, all looking for pitching?
0: Well, you know it's uh th- that's never been the cardinals style like this is out of you know this is not from their playbook in the past they've stayed away from spending on pitching uh you know the volatility of it having to commit uh you know long term deals having to pay guys on the wrong side of thirty that's always something the Cardinals have tried to stay away from staying out of bidding wars you know they're not going to oh, outspend the New Yorks and the Phillies and the Chicagos and teams like that, so they've always kind of stayed away from that but you know, now I think they know they've got to change their model. That, you know, if you don't have pitching in baseball, you don't matter. If you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you don't matter. If you don't have a point guard in the NBA, you don't matter. They've got to have pitching. But, the you know, the, the million-dollar question is, if you're going to spin for Aaron Nola, what convinces Aaron Nola to leave Philly? Like, he's happy there. They're already in the playoffs. Sonny Gray was on a team that made the playoffs. Like, the Cardinals are going to have to overspend, and that's yeah. just an area they've never been comfortable in. Uh, you know, I, I kind of think that they may fall more into the trade. The trade market may be where their starting pitching comes from as opposed to the free agent. Maybe you sign one free agent pitcher and you get two of them via trade. You know, Tyler Glassnell's out there, Shane Bieber, uh, guys like that, uh, Logan Gilbert, maybe guys like that that you can get. The problem is w- when you call those guys, they're going to say, OK, give us Nolan Gorman, give us Nolan Arenado, give us Jordan Walker, give us Mason Wynn, like it's going to be, Cardinal fans need to get ready. This is going to be a costly, costly all season, whether it's free agent dollars or in terms of prospects
2: that they have to give up in a trade. You know, you talk about why would an Arenola leave Philly or a Sonny Gray leave Minnesota, and I go back to it. I wonder if, you know, having a guy like Yadier Molina establishing that confidence with pitchers, if that could end up going a long way in the free agent market too. But you also, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting, and that was where the Cardinals grab these players from specifically. Is it free agency? Is it trade? You kind of mentioned it a little bit. I'm going to ask it just to get a clear answer from you on it. Let's start with this. How many... Rotation pieces? Do you see the Cardinals needing to go out in this off season and bring in? Most people have argued between two and three.
0: Yeah, I've asked John Mazzella like that multiple times, and he keeps saying three. Ali Marmal says three. Uh, they're they're both very insistent on this. This team needs three pitchers. Now that's a lot to ask. Like if if you told somebody you needed one starting ace guy in an all season, that's a big ask. If you two is a hum, humongous ask. Three is almost impossible. You know, it hasn't been done that often where teams go out and get three starting pitchers in one offseason. Uh I would say three is the goal, but it may turn into two and Zach Thompson, you know, so uh, yeah, I I think they need three pitchers. I just don't know if it's feasible. Like you're not going to outspend the Mets. If the Mets decide to get back in this if the Dodgers spend on pitching, if the Yankees spend on pitching, if Philly spends to keep Nola in-house, uh, you know, you're just not going to outspend those guys. So they're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to be bold. You know, maybe maybe they get pitching out of, out of the international market. You got Yoshi Yamamoto and, and you got Shota. Uh, how do you pronounce his name, M- Manga or whatever? So that's, better that, that's better than any guess I could have given. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you get a guy out of there, maybe you trade for a guy, and maybe you sign a guy. So I, I think they're going to have to be creative, they're going to be bold, they're going to have to, you know, explore every option, every avenue. And like I said, it, it's going to be painful. Like, when a team like Seattle calls and says, don't call us back unless you're willing to trade Nolan Gorman in a deal, Like, that's painful for Cardinal fans to think about. If you trade that guy and he goes and hits 50 home runs, you know, that's something that stays with you a long time. So the Cardinals are going to have to, you know, they're going to have to diversify. They're going to have to go international market. They're going to go free agent. They're going to go trade. But they do need three pitchers, no doubt.
2: The next question that I'll ask you, John, is – Where do you say that Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz fit in this rotation number-wise next year? Some people are saying they need to be four or five. Some are saying they can be three, four. Those tend to be the two that are argued upon. In a realistic world, where do you see those two fitting in in
0: 2024? Well, I mean, it's a a big asterisk, you know. It depends on who you get for number one. If you don't get a very good number one, (laughs) that moves them up. Or if you don't get a very good one and two, Maybe they go up. You know, I, 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 Miles Michaelis is about all the right things. You know, I mean, that that's a guy who could have said, you know, I'm having a bad season. I'm just going to mail it in. He was determined to get 200 innings for the second straight season. He was determined to make 35 starts. He's the first Cardinal pitcher to do that uh, in like 15 years. I think he was the only uh, only starter in baseball this year to make 35 starts. Uh, or 36. I, I'm trying sure I'm blanking on it all of a sudden, but. I mean that that's a guy who tells you he's all about the right things and, and Miles is determined. He's gonna go back this offseason season and revamp. He's gonna look at the pitch shape, he's gonna look at his sequencing, he's gonna to try to, you know, better some of his pitches to get more swing and miss. Uh that that's a guy who takes a lot of pride in in his you know, in his craft. Stephen Matz is the guy who you know, it's always been odd because he may be the best athlete in the clubhouse. Like it'll, last year, early in the season, it was either him or Jordan Hicks were the best athletes in the whole clubhouse, but yet the numbers don't seem to follow. There's always an injury. There's always a bad outing. Matt can be rolling along four good innings and have one bad inning and the whole thing blows up. So, you know, the Cardinals are really counting on him and, you know, in an ideal world, if if you had, Miles Michaelis as your number two and Steven Matz as your number five or number three and five, something like that. And you could go get two guys better than Miles Michaelis, That would be a heck of an offseason.
1: We're being joined by John Denton, St. Louis Cardinals beat writer for MLB.com. You can find him on X or Twitter at John Denton555. We've been talking about the rotation here. And, and one last question on the rotation. You've talked about how St. Louis definitely needs uh, to acquire a pitcher via via trade or at least get creative. What are some what are some names that intrigue you or that seem realistic for the Cardinals to go out there and get and to bring in as a solid uh, piece to the rotation?
0: You know, Sonny Gray is is an intriguing guy. Uh, he's he's a little older. What is he? I think he's thirty three. But his velocity has really gone up the last couple of years. And, and Blake Snell's another guy, thirty one. He's probably going to win the National League Cy Young. Had an incredible incredible second half. Uh, you know, he's I think he was one in five at one time and and had a great finish to the season. Snell is a swing and miss guy. Like we all know, the Cardinals need more swing and miss. Sonny Gray is a swing and miss guy. Aaron Nola, one day you think he's uh, the ace of a staff and then he goes out there and loses uh, game six like he did last night. So uh you know I and Jordan Montgomery, what Jordan Montgomery has made himself probably forty or fifty million dollars this offseason. I like I like Jordan Montgomery because he's salty he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him. He's stubborn. He's going to stay in his his style of pitching. He believes in his stuff. Uh, you know, the Cardinals got a good haul for, for for Jordan Montgomery. A lot of people were surprised that they could get Takoa Robey and and Sejaci both in that trade. But, you know, it, it's really helped uh, help Montgomery. And, you know, I, I think the Cardinals would welcome having him back. Uh, you know, he's a Scott Boras client, and he probably made himself million this offseason. You're going to have to outbid Texas. But I would be very intrigued about bringing uh, Jordan Montgomery back to St. Louis.
2: You know, something else that's been talked about, and I believe at the deadline this was something that Mo brought up a couple of times, is that not only do the Cardinals eventually want to bring in some talented free agent pitching, but they also want to be able to replenish the farm system, which they were able to do but there was also talks about perhaps you know using some of those pieces from the farm to go out and trade for some you know young ready MLB talent and i think the problem that we saw in the in the at the deadline was that a lot of these competing teams didn't want to sell this young pitching that they have and i think you mentioned seattle earlier and i'm sure there's a couple of other teams out there you know that have that young pitching talent that, you know, is at the MLB level or is just about ready to be at the MLB level. Do you see the Cardinals simultaneously going after that as well as going after those big
0: names in the market? Yeah, you know, they they definitely, you know, every team on the market, everybody, every team out there wants young pitching. But the Cardinals are also under the gun where they need this thing to turn around, like, right away. This is not a two- or three-year rebuild, uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are in their primes. Their primes are, are narrowing every day. Um, those guys don't want to be a part of a three year rebuild. They need it to turn now. And I think John Mozeliak and Ali Marmal know that this can't be a long rebuild. Like, they need to get guys who are ready to pitch at the major league level right now. You know, it's it's always good to go get, uh, you know, prospects who who can help you three or four years down the line. But I think they know they're under the gun that. This thing needs to turn around right away, and if it's going to happen, you've got to go get guys who are proven and ready to ready to pitch at the major league level. you can't you can't look at this as a, a long-term prospect uh, project. this needs to be a right- away thing.
2: Hey, John, we really appreciate you coming on and joining us a lot of fun and you know enjoy your offseason. I know you said you got tacos waiting, so you enjoy those uh, tacos all right? I
0: we'll do appreciate it guys. thanks for having me. thank Take you. Care.
1: There's nothing like some good homemade tacos, is there, Ethan? Mm. Very few things in this world, Brandon. Uh, yeah, and there's very few things in this world that I can cook, mm. Ethan Hannaford. Is that and one tacos of them? is just happens to be one of the five in there with like bowls of cereal and. Things like that.
2: John Denton can he can cook tacos. I can't. He knows way more about the Cardinals than me. He's clearly <laughs> he is he's doing all right. And yeah. he just, that was John Denton though that just joined us. Great interview I thought with him, and I thought he had some really good points. Be sure to follow him on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Um, John Denton five five five. But Brandon, talk to me. What was what was some of your bigger takeaways from that interview?
1: Yeah, I I, I uh, hate to toot my own horn here, but I think I oh I also kind of agree with John when it comes to the point of. We're going to have to extremely outbid, overpay, excuse me, mm-hmm. overpay for pitchers in the market. And yes, is that a given already? For sure. And particularly though, you, it's rare to see three or four larger market teams all looking for pitching in the same offseason. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen that in three, four years now. The, the past couple of years, you've, already, you've had rotations that have been solidified sure. in those markets. And so it's going to be interesting because we're going to be competing with some with some big teams, with some big market teams. And I thought it was interesting specifically what he said was if we were to look at the trade market cuz we said okay, if that's the if that is the scenario, then what's the trade market look like? And he immediately brought up the name Nolan Gorman. And Here's the thing. I know fans don't want to hear it, but it really does hurt. Don't say it. I know. But it's going to hurt, and I completely agree with him. I thought it was really good stuff. Interesting take on the comparison of what it's going to take to even get a guy like Aaron Nola, what it's going to take to get a guy like Sonny Gray. You know something I didn't think about? I probably should have been. It's going to take a lot to to get Aaron Nola to leave Philly. It's a winning situation. That's a contending team for years to come.
2: Here's my concern with Aaron Nola in Philly is – I wonder, now, obviously, Philly's a pretty big market team. Sure. Philly has put a ridiculous amount of money into that team. Is Philly going to be willing to give Aaron Nola the, I mean, it wasn't long ago that there was a quote out there that Aaron Nola is going to be asking for around $200 million. Wow. Now, I'm not saying he gets that, but is Philly going to be willing to give that? I don't know if they are. He's definitely going to the market. There's no way that that he he doesn't go to the market. So you don't
1: think there's a scenario where he he gets re-signed before he even hits the market? Boy, would I be surprised. Really? There's
2: been way too much talk about him on the market. and, And like I said... Bryce Harper's making $330 million right now. Trey Turner's making $300 million right now. I mean, they got players galore out there making stupid money.
1: Well, and you know, you think about it, they're one of the six teams that exceeded the luxury tax threshold too. Mm. And so they owed almost $3 million last year because of it. $3, million, three million. Well, I, I know, but hear me out here. I mean, are they willing to make that case for, for a guy that they think they could replace with someone cheaper? Sure. Th- and that's a good question.
2: Now I think that there's also
1: hit settle my, down, hit Ethan. My
2: microphone. Sorry. <laughs> I think I think that there also is the question of you know we've talked so much about the importance of pitching and how having that top one two combo is so dangerous for you and that is so heavily so heavily carried them to you know the World Series last year and as we record they're one game away from the World Series now. Yeah. So that has been such a huge reason. And you recognize the importance of you know having those top level starting pitchers. That'll be something interesting to keep an eye on. And you know I'm not sure if the Cardinals are going to be willing to put in close to 200 million into a pitcher. I think that there is a decent chance out of those four pitchers named, which would be Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, who's the other one, big Sonny one, on the, and Sonny Gray. I think there's a pretty good chance that one of those four is wearing
1: a Cardinals uniform. But next he year. said Jordan Montgomery is is who he has his eyes on the most. Would that surprise you? Uh, I guess not. I guess I mean, looking at the way he just plays the game, he's a cardinal for sure. Mm-hmm. Um whatever he's been that here, means, he knows how
2: it goes. They left yeah. on good terms. He's going to go out and he's going to potentially win a World Series. He's going to be looking to make his bag When's the if last the Cardinals have happened. What, Somebody's
1: ranked? gotten traded and then brought back the next offseason.
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Ryan I, O'Reilly?
1: So much pain! Yeah, you like that? You like that? No, just I
2: didn't kidding. like that, Ethan. <laughs> um, it, here, Here's here's another thing I'll say about the pitching market is, you know, he mentioned it quickly, but uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Wow! You like that? Well done! I'm, I'm reading it off of, a, oh. off of a Google search, so don't give me Why too didn't much time. Why did not you credit. just let yourself have that moment? Because I would have felt wrong. That's I would have felt wrong.
1: You're an honest man.
2: This guy is insane. He basically, on the pitching side, single handedly carried Team Japan to a World Baseball Classic title. Oh, what else has he done? I think back to back, triple crowns, pitching triple crowns in the KBO. I yep. think that's the league that he's yeah, in he's over in, there, yeah, the KBO. Yes. Also, something that hasn't been mentioned is recently Lars Newbar and Nolan Arenado were pictured. In Japan, watching him play, whoa, hanging out with him. They're doing their own recruiting Wait a out here. Second. So, you know, they're doing their, they're trying to schmooze. And I love it's good it. for them. I love it. I freaking yeah. love it. So, yeah, we need more of that. You know, I think that people are maybe a little bit more like, uh, oh, I don't know. You know, everyone thinks KK uh, Kim is, the, I promise, <laughs> this guy's better than KK Kim, guys. So, I think that that's something interesting to keep in mind i think like i said i think people are a little bit suspicious of guys from the kbo because you're not watching them constantly you don't know for sure who they are they're also not they're not facing mlb talent so that's something as well however i think that uh the other side of that is you know hey miles michaels came from the kbo (laughs) so so i mean you know i mean there's definitely talent that can come from the kbo that is for sure and so show show uh, is that how you say it? Shohei? Um, oh, let me show look hi? it up.
1: Uh, Otani?
2: Yeah, I think you got it. Yeah. Kind of pronounced like a toddler, but you got it. Yeah, no, that's so how I there is, most there, there is talent that comes from the KBO. So he's just as big of a name to keep an eye on because, man, I'd be shocked if he isn't in the MLB next season. You know,
1: and that's an interesting thought because the beautiful marriage that would be bringing in new rotational talent with a guy— with two World Series championships under his belt, and a pedigree of a career as a Redbird. Yadier Molina. I was like, who are you talking
2: about right now? <laughs> I was like, what? where are we going with this right now? <laughs> I was like, it's like I was thinking... I was thinking that,
1: that was a really long way to say was, Yadier Molina. I was thinking
2: pitching market. I'm like, what are we talking you, you, you about? You right interrupted more? me. Gosh I'm dang sorry, it. Just I'm be sorry.
1: patient. Can you imagine, though? I mean, that let's just dream for a minute. And he said it's 90% bound to happen. And And... John also talked very, very confidently, and he posted something on Twitter. Actually, go check it out, JohnDen555. He posted something on Twitter um, about uh, the, the quote coming from Yadi about how he's 90% sure something's going to happen as far as him being. It's not specific on what role it is, if I'm correct. It's not specific on a, on a type of role. Um, it's just he will be on the coaching staff in some form. Yes, but and, think and about figuring
2: that. out though how it is. You know, if it's an everyday position, stuff Why like that. Why wouldn't it be
1: in? What scenario is it not an everyday? I, no, I agree position? with
2: you. I agree with you. I, I think that Yachty also has a lot of other business in a lot of other places. So I think that
1: hashtag Puerto Rican <laughs> basketball team.
2: <laughs> Man's running it up over yeah, there. Yeah, He is dribble, shoot, score. Um, <laughs> so that's definitely going, and I think that will. Have a bigger impact than people immediately yeah. think yep. when it comes to the market and bringing in that piece. That's going to do a, a bunch, I think, also sure. for Wilson Contreras' confidence and just having a guy that can, you know, weather him through the storm, continue to teach him, just you know, what it means to do that. But for the Cardinals because yeah. clearly Wilson Contreras learned that it's different than everywhere else is catching for the Cardinals. <laughs> Holy moly! Yes, sir, so, Bob. That's gonna. There's a lot I think that bringing in Yadi as a coach comes into play. I'm curious to see where they throw him in at, though. You know, who the heck knows? That that would now, be. This the, has
1: all got to become clear right after the World Series, wouldn't you think? You would think so
2: you'd imagine Like, that that's normally news maybe, that comes out a day after. Sure. Maybe... I, I imagine there's probably still some negotiations going on things like that, if yeah, I had to guess. that's fair. That's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. What we didn't get to talk a lot with John about, though, was pieces that we could see the Cardinals shopping as far as bringing in, also sending out as far as trades go. I know we talked a little bit around the deadline time. I think the Mariners were a team that a lot of Cardinals fans were really intrigued by because... They have a lot of young, talented starting pitching. George Kirby, Brian Wu, Logan Gilbert. There's some pieces there that I think that intrigue a lot of people, but those are all going to cost a pretty penny. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, maybe it takes a Nolan Gorman. Are they willing to shop a Brendan Donovan, Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond? There's a bunch of names you could throw out there. What would it take for the Cardinals to bring in that young MLB-ready, not just MLB-ready, MLB-succeeding, MLB-thriving pitching talent that you can throw at the top of a rotation? Well,
1: and and he said, you know, the Cardinals aren't looking to make this a two- or three-year rebuild. I mean, this is a retool on the fly. Yes, that's why some way, fix be, the plane while it's in the that's air. That's
2: why it can't just be MLB ready. It has to be, because you could argue that guys like Zach Thompson, like some of these guys that we have, Dakota Hudson, are MLB ready. Sure, sure. MLB thriving. They need sure. to be able to bring in a top-end piece for the rotation that's, you know, to where they're not spending $300 million this offseason on starting pitching, because I don't think that I see them doing that. So... <laughs> um Brandon, have we have we gotten all of our Cardinals talk
1: out? I think so. I think so too. So, John's a great guy. Good a, good info. Good really good interview. Good
2: dude. Before we jump into Blues talk, just a reminder that, you know, these, you know, these guests, we're going to continue having them on. We're going to be talking Cardinals stuff all off-season long and figuring out what's being talked about, what are the names, the rumors. We're going to keep you guys updated all off-season long. So, John Denton, we very pretty much so appreciate him joining us. Brandon, send us the Blues.
1: Blues hockey, when we come back, this is the Blues Sports Talk. Welcome back to the Blues Sports Talk. We are now going to dive into some Blues hockey. As we record, the Blues are four games into the season. They have five points, two wins, one loss, and a shootout loss. There are several different things to observe. From the first couple of games of the season, we were not overreacting, just looking at what has both looked well, good.
2: You might not be overreacting. I'll stop it, but Ethan. Don't who interrupt the heck me. knows what I'm going to do. I
1: get one intro every four months, and you interrupt me. How dare you, Ethan? And not That's- so good so far. So, what are we We're looking at? The good, the not so good, and we are not. Overreacting, Ethan. And the ugly. <clears throat> I'm looking at you, Ethan. Ethan, what do you what do you think through the first four games? How are you liking? Well, what
2: I do like is that we have more wins than losses. That
1: uh, that's is always what a I do start, like. That is what
2: I do like. I think that I think the biggest thing by far, and I'm a little bit amazed by it. It is it is so impressive to me what coaching can do for you. Yeah. This same defensive these same defensive pairings last year was one of the worst defenses in the league, yeah, and now it is flipped to being one of the best defenses in the league. So I think that's the first thing that I take away in a positive standpoint so far is that, you know, through four games so far, uh, one goal allowed, one goal allowed, and uh, and then it was, well, we won't talk about Arizona, and then two <laughs> goals allowed. So, and I'll say this, you know, it was not solely Joel Hofer's fault in the game against Arizona. The defense looked, well, the entire team looked really yeah, bad in bad. front of him, but Young goalie, you know, part of it is to, I think part of it is to be put on that. Jordan Bennington has looked amazing as well. I know you're going to talk a little bit more about that too, but I think those are what I would say have been the two biggest things so far is that, and from a positive standpoint, is Jordan Bennington, what the heck happened to him in the offseason? I don't know what happened, but he's looking like a completely new. Tendy so far, yeah. and then as well, the defenses looked really good.
1: Yeah, and I think those two for sure 100% are intertwined. I mean, you look at the new defensive approach. You saw Berube talk about it earlier in the off season Last year, We, the, the Blues sat at 3.63 goals per game last season. Put them in 28th in the league. It did Boy, not look good. Ugly. So this year, they, they've tr- changed to a lot more of a defensive zone coverage. Uh, Berube did an interview earlier this season with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He said, really protecting the slot area, not, I guess, running out from it so quickly. And here's here's what he meant by that. He was asked what the main adjustment was to the defensive zone strategy. And, and how he explained it was it's actually been simplified. So we brought back the same eight defensemen. Uh, essentially, for this season. But the difference is is our zone strategy is set up into four quadrants. So if you were to break down the defensive zone, so in other words, let's say the Arizona Coyotes, like they were, were in our zone for a very long time. Too long. Okay, way too long. They're in our zone. What they have done is they've broken up our, our defensive zone into four quadrants. What that does is it leaves one forward out, to attack the the demon up high, it leaves two forwards in the higher slots, which would be above the face off dots, and then it leaves the demon right in front of the net, so they want to they want to clear guys out from the front of the net and they want to allow Bennington to be able to see these shots coming in because we saw what happened last year last year there was they were winning the net front the opposing team was winning in the net front battle big time and Bennington a lot of times was either having to fight through a lot or he wasn 't able to see a shot or even even the way that they were doing it last year, guys were getting very high percentage shots on net. The opposing team was, and it just wasn't setting Bennington up for success. So that's what we're seeing differently this year is what they would call a, a defensive zone strategy that's broken down into quadrants.
2: Well, it's hard to see. It's hard to stay calm in net, right, when you can't see the puck. Yeah. So that that's that is a sure. huge part of it. And you mentioning that those are going two and two together, and I would, and I'll say this too. I mean. So, a huge part of this is that, you know, the defense hasn't been perfect, as we've mentioned, you know, but it wasn't just going to have to be the defense massively improving. Sure. Jordan Bennington has made saves that last year he's not making. And he has had those on numerous occasions, even through these first three games that he has started. That has been a huge reason as to why. The Blues do their defensive numbers do look so good. Is that he's making the incredible save
1: early in the season? When the Blues play their style of hockey, they're going to need Benner to make two or three of those a game. Yes, and it doesn't mean actually. What I would even say is I've I've enjoyed our game this season because when we're at our best, we do rely on Benner to make two or three of those saves a game. He's been making them, but also from a defensive side, standpoint, we've been clearing guys out from the front of the net. We've been playing physical. Yes, Tyler Tucker. He had a rough game versus Arizona, but so did the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. But he's looked good. He's looked physical. You've seen guys like Marco Scandella who, yes, I have been dogging on the last year, but you know what? He's been moving guys out from front of the net and he's been get he's, he's a puck moving demon in his own zone. He's not going he's not going to start a rush for you, but he's going to get the puck up the boards and out, and that's what he's done so far. And in you can tell for Benner that has put him in a place where a place of success because he's had he's had guys in front of him play the style that they're meant to play. This is what the team's meant to do. We're going to get outshot every game. First four games of the season, we've been outshot by at least six shots. Here's why: other teams are are take have the offensive talent and they're throwing a lot of pucks at the net. The right. Blues, though, they're they're looking for those high percentage chances and they're also looking to win the cycle game. They're they're looking like big bodies down low. I mean, look at the play of the fourth line. You've had Oscar Sunquist who's come in and change. Hit it! You've had Oscar Sunny, absolutely play lights out. He looks like old Sunquist. You've had Jake Neighbors on that line, which has been an interesting... I did not see that coming personally, but you know what? It's been great for him. There's not a ton of pressure to to go out there and play 17, 18 minutes a game. He's been able to play right in the 9- to 13-minute range. And all this to say, talking about the goaltending, talking about defensive zone strategy, talking about the fourth line, this is the blue style of hockey we think about when we've, when we've thought about these teams that have made deep runs over the right. last two or three years.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, I, and I'll say this, going back to our last episode, we talked about, remember we had the argument of who was worse last year, Colton Pareko or Tory Krug? <laughs> Both have looked... Miles better this year, I think. Oh yeah, so far absolutely. So, now, like you said, you know, we're talking about a lot of positives. Pareko looks healthy. We're looking. Can we just say that? Sure. We're talking about a lot of positives right now, and we said we weren't going to overreact, and we're not saying that the Blues are a cup contender right now. We're saying that so far the defense has been a day and night difference since last season. So that's all I'll say too. And before we get into the offensive struggles, something that I think from an offensive standpoint that has impressed me, I guess I would say from a from a forwards standpoint more so, is the back check has looked really good during the three of these four games as well. So, which basically means that, it basically means that the forwards are getting involved on, on the de- on the defensive side yep. they're playing a 200 foot game yep. that's been a huge part of why you know the blues are having success on the defensive side as well as it's yeah. not just those two defensemen you know it's it's a it is truly a 5 on 5 6 on 6 game yep. it's a 5 on 5 game all <laughs> the way up and down the <laughs> yeah, ice yeah. Right? Yes. so
1: yeah well and i th- and you you're starting to see it from skill guys like cairu you needed him to play a 200 foot game he's the only one honestly that i think of the most when yes, it comes to that. Which is something you just didn't see in his game. And and here's here's what you hear a lot of is, well, like, why are you playing them that much if they don't want to play a 200-foot game? Here's the thing. There's this thing called Major Juniors Hockey up in Canada. It's essentially 15- to 18-year-olds that, that they play hockey full-time all year round. That's their job. They don't have to play a 200-foot game up mm-hmm. there, especially if you're skilled like Jordan Kyra was and have the speed that he does. Mm-hmm. And so getting to the NHL... Yes. Is he not a 20-year-old kid anymore? No. But his game did have to change. The style has to change, and especially with him being a pivotal piece. Yes. Is Braden Shin the captain? Yes. This is Thomas and Kyrou's team, though, and he had to play a 200-foot game to be that.
2: Something else that I think is pretty interesting, Brandon, and I know you've been pretty vocal about so far at the sure. start of the season is Robert Bortuzzo and Scott Perunovich being healthy scratches yeah. through the first four games yeah. on the defensive side. And I thought there was an interesting quote the other day that was making its way around the good old tweeter um, (laughs) from Chief that said, it's a one, and he was referring to, you know, those two being healthy scratches, the handling of the defensive pairing. Sure. It's a long year. Right now, this is the six we're going with. I don't see a change yet on it. It's hard for the guys that aren't playing, but it is what it is. You've got to bide your time. I like the size Tucker and Scandela bring in comparison. Yeah. End quote. And then in comparison to Scott Brunovich and Robert yep. Bortuzzo. So first off, let's let's quickly get Robert Bortuzzo out of the way. I know you've talked about that's interesting because he is a pretty physical yes. guy. You know, yeah. he's a big guy, and he's always been kind of that that player for the Blues sure. that and the back pairings of the defense is going to be that, you know. Tough playing guy.
1: Yeah. it, it is interesting because especially I mean, what he's been a blue for a decade now. Sure. Um, and so he he knows the style of game that needs to be played to win a championship. He's yeah. one of the very few left from the twenty nineteen team. And so, yeah, it, it honestly has been a surprise to me. But you know what? I mean, from a from a a a, a bird's eye view, um, you look at Skandell. first off, you're paying him three million dollars. And so it, I, you're definitely giving a guy a shot in that in that case. He also had a great preseason. Uh, he's also healthy. W- remember when he played in Minnesota, Montreal, he played some top four D-man minutes. So he's able to, and he's and he's and he's done it before. He has the experience. The problem with him has always been his health. And right now he looks the healthiest he's ever been in the three or four years that he's been a blue. With that said, he's still a 30 year old defenseman. He's still in his 30s and. You know, uh, injuries are unavoidable. They will happen. And if you look at this team, you're you're sitting here going like, man, the way that we're playing defensively through the first couple weeks of the season, you like your defensive depth all of a sudden. But, yeah, from a Robert pertuso standpoint, still a little surprised, but we'll see how it goes.
2: Scott Prunovich is the other one that I think surprises people a little bit more. And the reason yeah. being, and I think part of this would be that, the power play has looked so bad. Now, like you uh-huh. said, we're only four games in. But, Brandon, I'm not going to lie to you. The power play has been abysmal. Yeah, it it has been really it bad smells looking, really so. bad. <laughs> smells that's good. Um, 0 for 13. Correction, 0 for 11 so far. Washington's 0 for 13. They're the only team worse in the league than us. <laughs> um, uh, Surprising, by the way. With it, Ovi. Is, it is. 0 for 11 so far. And there have been very few of those opportunities that have been... Mm, how do I put this? Uh, productive in any way whatsoever, where even good opportunities are being created. That was created. well put. So I'm not saying that Perunovic is your oh we got to he's got to take over on the power play, but I am a little bit surprised with a guy that has been looked so highly, a previous uh, Hobie Baker Award winner. Yeah, <laughs> that he is sitting as a healthy scratch and is it looks like is going to be for a while.
1: Yeah, you wonder if just his overall health has something to do with it. You want, you wonder where that sits. I mean, he, he did sign a one-way deal, and so he's not going down to Springfield yeah. because he'd have to clear waivers and somebody would snatch him up quick. They would never do that. But it is interesting to see where the power play has been. It, there there has to be something, and my my theory to this is either number one, which he he did, he struggled in the preseason. Um, He didn't look good. Uh, he, he had four games under his belt in the preseason, um, had a minus three through the four games, and played a lot of minutes. So they gave him a good sample size. It wasn't like they didn't give him a shot. Sure, He just didn't play good. He didn't look good coming out of camp. Second thing, he doesn't have the size that a Tucker brings. We talked about this before, and I said it before. Perunovic is no Tory Krug yet. Torrey Krug is a proven NHL guy. They play a very similar game. If not, Tory Krug plays a heavier game. I would argue, but yeah, it you you wonder how long it will last, depending on how long the power play struggles will happen.
2: Brandon, as we begin to wrap up this episode, is there any other are there any other pieces of these topics that you would say you'd like to? Quickly dive into a little bit deeper to talk about. You know, we've talked about Bennington. We've talked a little bit about the lack of offense, some of the special team struggles. What, is there anything else you'd like to dive into here before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I just want to give Kevin Hayes a lot of credit. I think coming in, people were skeptical. I Think coming in, Hayes kind of took the brunt load of. Well, he's not a uh, he's not a top six guy anymore. We don't need another locker room guy. Why do we need another thirty year old forward? There were a lot of these complaints going on um because remember three and a half
2: million dollars that's why (laughs) right right
1: but he's he's at 61 percent in the faceoff dot and if you look at the rest of the team it's been bad ugly it's been bad and you miss guys like o'reilly yes is o'reilly not who he used to be no absolutely you're even seeing that this season with him in nashville um i'm still glad we didn't bring him back on that big of a contract but kevin hayes has done what he's needed to he's he's Third on the team in hits, so he brings a physical presence. He's a from what everything that I hear and read and see, he's a locker room guy. I mean, uh, I'm if I'm looking at this trade, I'm already saying I like the way this looks. Yes, I thought we won it day one, but man, for those out there that were skeptical of Kevin Hayes, take a look at the stats, watch him play. You got to love his game so far, and. And he's another guy where injuries are going to happen, and, and I feel comfortable enough with him hopping in the top six in the dog days of December and January to be a to be that second-line center, and he's already done that a little bit this season. The Blues
2: are 2-1-1 one, one through four games this season as we record. That is good for fourth in the Central. So, obviously, we're four games in. Sure. We're not going to overreact. We're talking about what we've seen so far. Well, we're gonna keep, we're gonna continue, you know, keeping an eye on these things and talking about these things, and eventually, we're gonna, you know, maybe it does get to the point where we're overreacting, reacting, overreacting, reacting, freaking, we're just maybe freaking about. Maybe we're getting excited, you know. So, but I think that there's still at least probably another, like I said, fifteen to twenty games. I think that's kind of what. I think that's at last year. That's the point where we started to actually panic a little bit. Is yeah. right around that quarter of the way through the season, so yeah. I think that you have to give it at least a month, a month and a half before you can actually have an idea of what you have on your hands.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm uh, I'm really glad you didn't say anything that ticked me off, Ethan. That's that's I think that really proves this episode to be a massive success. And you know, Ethan, I, if only David a- Perron was on this. Team. Oh. DP five WP seven. Champs you know what? Confirmed. I almost I almost want him to come back just so you guys can shut up about it. <laughs> just so was, he can come back for a seventh time and be a blue. That was for you, Dylan Hample. We miss you, <sighs> TJ. We love you too. No, we don't. Here's the thing. I I am nobody. Better be panicking. I, in fact, I've loved the way we've looked. Excited to see what's to come. And you look at the rest of the Central, man. It's gonna be this tight all season. It just will be. You got a lot of teams, and you don't know what they are. Uh, it's gonna be a fun season. Hang on here. Looking forward to
2: keeping an eye on the blues, keeping an eye on the Cardinals in the offseason, seeing what that roller coaster ride is going to be like as well. Be sure to follow us on social medias at Lou Talk underscore. All kinds of good stuff being put out on there. Be sure to, you know, communicate with us through those as well. Who would you like to see join on our next episode? So thanks for listening. Thanks for uh...
1: And no, no Travis Kelsey No Taylor Swift. We don't have those kind of connections.
2: That concludes this one, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. That's a wrap.